you have no idea how badly I have been dying to record this episode. The follow-up to my last episode about how fear basically invades and clouds all of our romantic relationships and marriage and parenthood. But I have not had the opportunity to record it because I've been so busy with photographing family holiday sessions because I am a photographer, a family photographer, and it now is like the busy season, you know, for family pictures. But I've been so busy and there's nothing I hate more than being busy. And the consequence of that has been, I've been having like this insane anger and resentment just boil up out of me because my body is communicating to me because I hate being busy. It hates being busy. I need more relaxing and peace and freedom in my life, not being chained to a computer editing. And I'm learning, I'm learning a lot by this scenario right now because I'm watching myself and I'm reflecting on that I was very conscious, purposely not booking a lot of family sessions. I knew I didn't want to be busy. I know myself and I craft my life and my, my work so that I am not busy. But the amount of sessions I thought I could handle just isn't, it was, it's too much. And so I'm not living the life that I want to be living right now. And it's coming out towards my husband. I am not happy in this moment. Like I am, but I'm not because I'm not living my everyday life the way I want to be living it. So because I am not fulfilled, totally happy, I blame my husband and he can't do anything right. And this is why I talk about this stuff. And I talk about this stuff in previous podcasts that we treat our spouse based on how we feel. And I am totally doing that right now. And I am watching myself and I'm being aware of myself. And obviously it's so hard because my reaction time to anger is really intense right now. Like, I am Shadow Leah right now. It is crazy. But that's what I'm living in right now. And obviously, I'm talking about it with my husband. We, like, try and make jokes about (laughs) Shadow Leah right now. But the light is at the end of the tunnel, and I can see it clearly because the sessions are wrapping up. I'm probably in my last week of editing. And then I can fully enjoy my December, which is why... I purposely didn't take a lot of sessions so that I can relax, record more podcast episodes because I want to. I've been making so many notes in my journal for the past week or two since the last episode. And I'm so excited to dive into how fear clouds early dating. And then maybe in this episode, if it gets too long, I'm going to create this into two episodes so we'll see because my episodes have been getting too long and I didn't I didn't want them to be more than 30 minutes but I want to talk about fears in early dating and how pregnancy and labor 
are life events where fear is so insanely heightened. So I hope you guys get something from this, ep- from this episode. And oh, I have to note this. Note to this. I have to tell you guys that how fear versus trust is showing up right now for me in, in this podcast is I have been wanting to re-record my last podcast episode because uh, I'm pre- I've been pretty good at releasing whatever I record and just go with it, flow with it, trust why I recorded it that day and what I said and trust that that one person or two people that will gain something from it will instead of leaning in the fear of it was so bad, no one's going to gain anything from that, I didn't explain that well enough. So I'm, I was being inundated with fear that my last episode was not good enough and that I was so tempted to re-record it. And it's the perfect scenario to show you that because I'm not leaning into fear, I did not re-record it, even though I want to, and I'm leaning into trust, and I have to trust that I recorded it for a reason, on that day for a reason, I said what I did for a reason, and whoever it is meant to reach, it will reach. That is trust, and I have to lean into trust, because that is what I value. That is how I morally want to live my life is in a life of trust and not living a life in fear. So my hope is that you guys really reflected on the mantra, if I trusted the universe, how would I think or act today? And on the contrary, if I did not trust the universe or if I did not trust God, How would I think or act today? I want people to reflect on these questions because to me, it's so clear on how we would think or act if we were fully in trust. And if you didn't listen to the last episode, I talked about trust versus fear. Everything, every choice we make in life is either rooted in trust or fear. And when it is rooted in fear, that is our human mind, that is our ego. Because our human mind, our ego, it its job is to worry and to fear for our safety. That's why it was created. It's to keep us safe. So its job is to future project future project really fearful worrying scenarios to try to protect us. And that's not a bad thing, but it becomes a really overwhelming thing when it's, when it's out of line and it's future projecting when, when we don't want it to be future projecting because we just want a, a peaceful mind, but we have an ego and that's what its job is. And so it will always be there. It will always be worrying and it will always be fearful projecting about what, what could happen or this could happen or that could happen. The goal is not to shut off this ego because it, I mean, it can, and that's the purpose of meditation. But as long as you're alive, your ego will be telling you fearful things. 
And so it's not about expecting it to shut off. You can shut it off, by the way. I've had a psychic before tell me, you can say brain, you know, say your mind is just racing before you're falling asleep and you can't fall asleep. You can talk to your brain. You can talk to your mind and say, brain, can you please shut down? Can you please just shut off? I'm ready to go to bed. You can obviously talk to your body and have this communication. That's what I you know, try to do in my daily life. And that's what I try to talk to you guys about is having this full-blown communication and relationship with your own body. But I just don't think having an expectation of you will get to this place where you will no longer fear or you will no longer worry I don't think that's realistic and I don't believe that. So it's more so your mind will always be giving you fearful scenarios to worry about, but it's what you do with it. And it's how you, how are you going to handle the fear? That's where your control is. That's what we can change. That's what we have control over is how do you want to deal with the fears? Do you want to attach to them and then ride that rabbit hole down of fear and just for hours be simmering and worrying and fear and worry and worry and fear do you want to spend your days like that or do you want to watch a fear arise in your mind witness it observe it and be non-emotional about it become not attached to it that's possible that's actually doable So our fears, I don't think, will ever shut off completely. We just have to learn how to live with them. Okay, first topic, let's tackle the fear that is experienced in the early stages of dating. Okay, obviously, the biggest fears when you have a crush, when you're dating someone, when you like someone, is You're afraid that they won't like you. You're afraid that you will not be desired by them. You're afraid that they won't want you the way you want them. And of course, we have this need to be liked and validated and desired by the person that we like. That's normal and natural. And we truly fear being rejected by them. That is the most blatant fear is being rejected, not getting validated, not being desired by them. Because then if our fear comes true, if they do reject us, we think then we are not worthy. We are nothing. And that is our worst fear, is to not be validated and to be basically told you are not worthy and you are not worthy enough for me, that is to our core, our worst fear, most of our worst fear. So to prevent our worst fears from happening in early dating, when we have a crush, when we like someone, obviously it shows up in changing who we are. We mold ourselves. We change who we are to make us seem more likable to them. Like, we act like we like this certain band they like so that we appear more likable to them. We're just trying to be liked 
and we change who we are, we change our authenticity to prevent our fears from happening. This is how in early dating, it can be so consumed in fear. Almost every decision can be made in fear. Should I text him? When should I call him? Oh my God, did I text him too soon? What if he now thinks I'm overbearing? To text or to not text and to call and to not call is the easiest, simple, simplest example of, of acting in fear. And then if they don't answer within two hours or five hours or a day or 30 minutes, if they don't answer, we go straight to fear. And we're thinking the worst case scenario, you know, they're starting to walk away, they're pulling away, they're going cold. And then, and then how do we react if we feel their withdrawal with their, their supposed withdrawal, you know, our, our illusion of them withdrawing from us, but they could just be busy, obviously, but the ego just goes to the worst case scenario It goes to its fear and then say they don't answer within an hour. And then we text out of fear because we're, we have anxiety and we're getting desperate. This is how fear is so present in early dating. Like you are confronting your fears and most people don't even know it. Almost everything is done in fear because you are, you are trying to get liked and you're trying to get accepted and validated so deeply And most of us do it so anxiously. Them not calling back or texting back in an hour or two hours or a day, whatever. Whatever the time limit is for you to get triggered into fear. We make it think, you know, we're not, we're not pretty enough. We're not skinny enough. We're not, we're not worthy enough. We concoct and create these scenarios in our head. And the root is fear. But a very important note that I want to talk about in this episode is that these fears in early dating, they get transferred into the relationship. Just because you become boyfriend and girlfriend and then you feel validated for a little bit, the fears don't disappear. They actually get transferred into the relationship and then they manifest in different ways. So say you have this fear, this deep fear of not being validated by the person that you have a crush on that you like. And so, you know, if they don't text you back in this time frame, you get, you, you get triggered, this fear gets triggered in you and you start getting anxious about, oh my gosh, you know, they, they don't like me, whatever. That whole fear spiral that happens to a lot of people. It's pretty common. It's because we're, we're, we're very similar in these main root fears. So this fear spiral does not go away once you become boyfriend and girlfriend. It transfers to a different scenario within the relationship, but the root is still fear of rejection or fear of being left or fear of not being desired. So for example, say you start making moves on your boyfriend or your husband, you know, whatever, you're in a safe, monogamous, 
committed relationship. So it should give you this level of safety. You think it gives you this level of safety. That's why in early dating, you want them to be your boyfriend or girlfriend is so that you can get this this safety you think you will get. But it, it lasts for such a short time because then after the honeymoon phase ends, you get triggered, your root fears get triggered. So this is an example. Say you start, you know, making romantic moves on your boyfriend and he kind of just shoves, shoves your advances away and he shuts you down. That can fully stab you in your rejected wound. That little scenario, which isn't little, but it's a little moment in a relationship that makes you feel not desired and it makes you feel rejected. And then you will be consumed by all of these big heavy emotions because it just hit you in your core fear of not being desired and being rejected when he shut you down when you were making moves on him. And it's your boyfriend or your husband. But that, li- that little event can really hit our core fear and then we're consumed with emotions and we get we can get confused by it we can get confused at why we feel so hurt by that event and then if we try to talk about it with our boyfriend or husband or whatever they get confused by it because they're like I'm just not in the mood they can't understand why or how you could feel rejected or not desired by that. But it's because we have these deep, deep fears of rejection and not being mutually desired that were never solved in early dating. They just transferred. Another example is in early dating, if the person you know doesn't text you back or call you back within a certain amount of time and it really puts you on edge, and gives you a lot of anxiety. I know that's how I am. That scenario gets transferred into a marriage or a long-term relationship in this way. So say your husband comes home, your boyfriend comes home from work, and they're very mute. They're emotionally non-responsive. You're trying to ask them questions. You're trying to talk to them. You're trying to, you know, get something out of them, trying to get them to say something or like acknowledge your existence. And they are just withdrawn, numbed out. For whatever reason, they could have a valid reason. They could have they could have had the most stressful day at work. But if your partner acts very emotional emotionally non-responsive, that triggers your core fear that they're starting to check out of the relationship. They're starting to withdraw. The same fears you had in early dating then show up in the relationship. They don't go anywhere. They just manifest in different ways. And most of us, like I had this scenario happen for years and years and I, and I never... I never realized what was really happening. When my husband is being emotionally non-responsive, he's just being shut down or withdrawn. 
whether purposely or not, normally for him, he's not purposely doing anything. He's not giving me the silent treatment. He, when he's stressed, he normally just shuts down. And that's a common man behavior. So for years, he would do that. And then I would get anxious. My brain would literally light up and say, hey, him being withdrawn is a huge warning sign that your relationship is in danger. So then (laughs) I took it upon myself to poke him, to nag him, to criticize him, to get any type of emotional reaction from him because I was trying to get some sort of reaction, something. I was poking the bear to get some sort of reaction for my validation. I was poking him in the way of nagging or criticizing, but for validation, for reassurance to calm my fear. This is so common in relationships. This is what is in one of my favorite books called Hold Me Tight by Dr. Sue Johnson. This is what she outlines word for word. I think it's called a demon dialogue. It's when one person withdraws, numbs out, pulls away, and the other person chases them because the other person feels this deep fear. And then we chase them and we poke them and we try to get any response. We're not even trying to get a positive response. We're not even trying to get a loving response. We're just trying to get a response to try to feel reassured, to calm our deep fear of abandonment or rejection or betrayal or just the simple fear of the loss of love or the loss of emotional connection. So what we truly have to start learning what to do is before speaking and talking and acting is asking, is this rooted in trust or fear? Because most everything we do is from a fearful place. So if you were in true trust, true trust in early dating, what would that look like? I think it's best to reflect on that by yourself, like in your journal, and see what type of answers that come up. You know, in my opinion, true trust would be being fully unapologetically yourself, fully yourself. It is not changing yourself or trying to center yourself to be desired, to be liked. And obviously that's hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but if you were rooted in trust that if I am really meant to be with this person, if I can full show up so fully myself, they will love it. They will absolutely love it. Or if you don't like certain things about your body, being in full trust around your crush would be maybe showing these parts of your body you don't like. I have a friend that wears a lot of baggy clothes and when she was around her crush recently, she purposely wore a tight outfit because she examined these questions in her and she's like, 
what does fear look like and what does trust look like? And she wanted to show off her curves. She wanted to be so fully herself and show him her true self. And so she wore a tight outfit instead of her usual baggy clothes. That's amazing. I was so proud of her. I was so proud of her. I think that's an amazing example of being truly who you are. And if she wore baggy clothes, that would have been out of fear. Fear of showing her true body off. That would have been out of fear. So every little action and choice is a choice between trust and fear. Another really good example from my girlfriend, she's where I get all my inspiration (laughs) because she's in this phase of life. Another good example of this is one night she didn't feel like talking on the phone with her crush. She just energetically wasn't there and she didn't want to. And she saw herself make this decision like, Do I tell him, hey, I don't feel like talking? And if I say that, I am so afraid he's going to get the wrong impression. I'm so afraid he's going to take it personal. But if you were in true trust, you can be fully yourself and and have your boundaries and say, hey, I had a really stressful day. I'm going to have an evening to myself and we can talk tomorrow. And if both people are doing the work, you know, that's going to go over better if both people are doing the work. But to talk to the other person when you don't want to would be out of fear, fear of, you know, because you're people pleasing. So fear of them taking it personal, them feeling rejected. And so every single choice is between trust and fear. We go to great lengths to be validated i love the question who do you become when you need to be validated because when we become that person we get so desperate and we do things that are not our true authentic self because our true authentic self is our soul which is it is trust it is divine But when we are rooted in our ego, when we are rooted in our mind, we do everything out of fear. So someone asked me the question on, she has fear that she will keep choosing the wrong type of men. And so what came to me is, this is building trust within yourself. And that takes time. That takes so much time. Fear of your choices because of what your past tells you is getting into greater relationship with yourself and rebuilding the rebuilding trust. And by doing that, it's one little baby step at a time. It's daily, it's minute, it's hour. And that is exactly how it's done in a real relationship. Real true trust in a relationship is built over time from the really, really small things. If you are a person that you do keep choosing the wrong type of men and you want to do better and you want to choose a new type, obviously, it goes without saying that you, your ego 
your nervous system wants what is familiar to you. And that's not bad. That just is what it is. Your nervous system wants something that is familiar because it is safe. And it is usually probably from your childhood. Like if you had an unstable parent, you probably will choose an unstable mate later in life. And you don't want to choose an unstable partner. But to your nervous system, to your body, that's what's familiar to you. That's what you learned is love. And so what's familiar is safe. Even if it causes you pain. That's just how the ego acts. So I would continuously have self-reflection. Continuous self-reflection. Being aware of every single choice you make. Am I choosing this because it feels familiar? Am I choosing this because it feels safe? Then when you are faced with a new choice, that's your opportunity to love yourself greater and support yourself greater. When you have a choice of choosing between what's familiar and unfamiliar, That is the moment of choice when you have the opportunity to love and support yourself, which then will foster trust within yourself. And it does not happen overnight. It might take years. But every single choice between the familiar and the unfamiliar, that is how trust is built within yourself. And if you fail, compassion. This is our self-relationship. This is the, the reunion we have with ourselves, our inner child. We have to become the inner parent to our inner child. This is the relationship we have with ourselves. So if you don't trust yourself and you don't trust yourself with making the right decision or the best and the highest decision for yourself, just know That rebuilding trust with yourself or anyone else takes time. And it's through the little choices every single day. And if you fail, that is when we need forgiveness and compassion. And that is a huge part of the practice. So this is already 30 minutes, which is the length I want it. So I will record a different episode about fear in pregnancy, miscarriage, childbirth, because this is a very, very, very important topic on how the entire Western medicine birth complex is rooted in fear. And when you see it, you can't unsee it. But to recap this episode, what I hope you guys gathered is that our fears will, will always be there. There is no end destination where they just stop. But if we can become aware of them, which is the biggest step because most of what we do is rooted in fear and we don't even know it. And so you can't change what you don't know. You have to be aware of all the things you do in fear if you want to change it. If you don't want to live your life in fear like me, first you have to figure out all the ways that you live in fear that you didn't know you live in fear. 
So the biggest step is this self-reflection and, and it's not done overnight. It's before any, any choice or deci- decision, it's, is, this, is this rooted in trust or fear? And how do you access trust? How do you access trust? Trust is the truth. Trust is divinity. Trust is peace. Trust is love. It's a part of us. It's our soul. So when I'm saying trust versus fear, I'm basically saying soul versus ego. Because we have a soul in us and we have a human mind, an ego in us. That's why it feels like we have a devil and an angel inside of us. These two opposing opposite voices and feelings in our body. But how do you access trust? It's through our soul. And how do you access the soul? It, usually it's through breath. It's through deep, deep breathing through the belly, in the belly, like not chest breathing. You have to put your hand on your belly button and make sure your belly expands outwards. That is deep belly breathing. When we breathe, we access truth. That's how we find truth. That's how we find peace. Fear is easy to access. It's always there. It's always, always there, always talking, always there, always talking. That's so easy to access. What's hard to access, not hard, but you actually have to put the effort in, is your soul, is truth, is God, is divinity, your essence of you, your soul. That's discovered through breath through peacefulness through nature dancing singing whatever journaling whatever works for you we we find our answer of trust through that route it's not through the mind it's not through logic it's only through this deep well of wisdom that is within us within our body that we have to consciously choose to access. Most people are 100% in their fearful mind all of the time because it's easy. But what takes work is choosing to be in your soul, choosing to be in trust, choosing to trust the universe, trust God. That takes actual work. But then you get the reward. You get the deep level of peace that other people could never get living from their mind 100% of the time. So first, it's self-reflecting on everything you are rooted in fear and, and, and how you react and what choices and decisions you make. And then after that, that takes a while. And then after that, you can start witnessing the fears that come up in your mind, in your body, and you start witnessing and observing them. And the, the whole point, in my opinion, 
in talking about this is so that you can become aware of your fears and feel neutral about them. You feel so oh, hmm, matter of fact about them. Your fears don't have to scare you because it's just your ego doing its job. It doesn't mean anything. It literally doesn't mean anything. All the worries in your mind doesn't mean anything. So the point that I hope a lot of people can get to with self-awareness is that when you watch your intrusive thoughts, when you watch your, your fears and your worries come up and rise up, you can feel neutral about them. And you could just so say, hey, I see you. Move along. Yeah, you're just doing your job. Versus actually attaching to it and becoming afraid. Actually attaching to it and going into a fear spiral. Or feeling so fucked up that you had those intrusive thoughts. Feeling like, what's wrong with me? We all have those thoughts. We all have those fears. You're actually not that special. <laughs> like, that's not said in a bad way. We're, we all have this. And the goal is to get so neutral about the worries and the fears in your mind that they come up and you're like, huh, okay. And it doesn't, it doesn't need to ruin your day. And then the biggest piece is that once you have the awareness that you're doing something out of fear, you then have the awareness to choose different. You could never choose things you are not aware of. You then are at the fork in the road and you, a new choice, a new path, a new you. This is how we reinvent ourselves. Once we have that self-awareness, we then have the awareness that we can choose a wiser choice. And for me, a wiser choice is a choice that is from full trust. Trust that the universe has my back. Because I do not want to live my life in fear. I do not want to make decisions in my day out of fear. I just... That's, that's how I want to live my life. And that's okay if you don't. But I've gained clear, I have gained clarity on how I desire to live. And it's through greater trust in God. And greater trust in the universe. And I want to live from my soul. Even more because it just feels good. It feels good. I want more peace. I don't want to be in fear anymore. I don't want to worry all day and have it ruin my day. I don't want that. And I have control over my choices. I have control over my life. I don't have control over the fears that come up in my mind, but I have control over what I do with it, how I remain neutral about it, how I don't become emotional about the worries in my mind. We don't have control over everything, but we do have control over these things. And that's how I hope to inspire you guys is that, you know, we, we don't have control over some things like we have an ego, but we do have control about 
how we react to our fears. And then we have control over our choices. We do. But that's, you know, that's only if we want to get out of victimhood. I'm not a victim to my fearful ego. I'm not. I get to make choices that are in alignment with, with what I really believe. And what I really believe is that the universe always has my back. Everything is working for my benefit and for my growth and my healing always. And that I'm here on earth to feel good and have fun and stop worrying and being afraid of everything. I don't think that's why I'm on earth. And I don't think that's why you're on earth. 